covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. This is a fun one. We come your way. I'm recording this right now. It is 1222 a.m. on uh, Monday, September 27th. So a little bit of a later drop than normally. We like to get these uh, pushed out before midnight or so. That's not happening this week. A, uh, a busy evening all the way around. And what a sports weekend it was for the state of Wisconsin. And certainly a great weekend for the Brewers. They came into their series against the Mets on a five-game losing streak. People were certainly... Uh, concerned about the way the team was playing. There were some people who were ready to uh, jump off a ledge and were worried about the Cardinals catching them and the Brewers falling all the way to the second wild card. I never thought that was going to happen. Thought that was uh, a little bit of an extreme thought, but nonetheless, there was uh, people were a little upset. People were a little nervous and the Brewers were able to take care of business over the weekend. They sweep through the Mets and they are NL Central champions. We've got a fun podcast this week. J.R. Radcliffe trending sports reporter for uh, the Journal Sentinel and JS Online. He is going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments. You know, a bunch of things kind of jump out at me, and I don't want to just do, I don't want this podcast to sound exactly the same as the Brewers Extra Innings postgame show that I did following uh, following the game on Sunday, and if you didn't catch it, it was on 94.5 ESPN. It wasn't on WTMJ. Uh, once the Brewers game wrapped up, WTMJ hopped over, uh, hopped over to uh, Packers coverage, and uh, we did all our uh, Brewers postgame stuff uh, on 94.5 ESPN. So if you happen not to hear it, it's available on this podcast feed, so you can check that out uh, for yourself. So I don't want to I don't want to rehash, re-say all the exact same things I said on the post-game show, but in many ways, this feels like another Sunday post-game show after the Brewers do uh, clinch the division. I just, it's it's been a remarkable season. I've used that word so many times this year. That has been the uh, that's been the word of the year. If I was on the radio right now and producer Greg Hill was back there, he would have just dinged me for using the word uh, word remarkable. There's still six more regular season games left. They'll play three in St. Louis and three in L.A. against the Dodgers, and then they'll get a few days off before opening up the postseason on uh, what's about two weeks away, Friday, October. It's it's pretty incredible when uh, this feels like the end of the season. Like this, The feeling that I think a lot of people have is the feeling at the end of the season for for the clinching to happen on a Sunday, on a day game, on a day before an off day, on the final home game of the regular season. Like, there was so much finality to it. And they got to go play six more games. I don't know how the players feel. You know, it's, thank goodness they have the, the off day on, on Monday, so they're really able to enjoy that celebration and just kind of breathe for a moment on Monday before uh, they head to St. Louis. I don't know if they're going to travel out Monday night or Tuesday morning. I don't I don't know if the Brewers ever travel out day of. Uh, they, I think they did once earlier this year, but it was because of a COVID issue, if I remember correctly. I think that might have been when when Josh Hader tested positive. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, dying, I'm trying to remember it all off the top of my head. Generally, they travel in day before uh, when they've got that off day. You see some teams around baseball, especially when they have uh, short trips uh, where 
going in day of actually makes a, a little bit of sense. Maybe they'll do that. I don't know. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, uh, but they, they get to enjoy their off day on Monday before they wrap up the regular season. And it's going to be interesting to see what these games look like. Uh, the Brewers Cardinals series won't have much meaning. Cardinals uh, are, are just about to clinch the uh, second wild card. So I think this series is going to feel very different than the series that was just held at American Family Field. That Dodgers series is going to be weird because in all likelihood, the Dodgers are still going to be fighting to try to get into that, uh, get out of the wild card spot and get to the top spot of the National League West, trying to avoid the Cardinals, who, as we record this on Sunday night, are on a 16 game winning streak. It's, it's pretty. Re- remarkable it's pretty incredible uh what the cardinals have been able to do and they have very quickly turned into a team that you want absolutely nothing to do with uh in the uh in the postseason i did say this during the postgame show but i'll repeat this one it's to me i've spent some time reflecting on how different things are from from one year to the next and this time last year, we were still knee-deep in the pandemic. Not that we're through the pandemic now. We clearly are not. But things are better now than they were a year ago. I mean, 43,000 people got to get together at American Family Field on, on Sunday, and that was not happening a year ago. And I just kind of reflect back upon a year where they only played 60 games, where the few of us that did get to attend the games at home uh, were, were kind of sitting in isolation uh, you know, for and, and it was just there were no fans, and it was a very stale environment. And you appreciated the fact that they were playing baseball, but it wasn't per se fun. I guess would be the best way. And we we're talking about piped-in crowd noise and cardboard cutouts and all that stuff. It just, uh, man, it in in some ways it feels forever ago. In other ways, it feels like it was just a moment ago that we were all going through that and. Hopefully, all versions of what I just mentioned are totally in the past now. Uh, that was that was a fantastic, that was an incredible, that was an amazing environment on Sunday. And I know that as the five-game losing streak was happening, as getting swept by the Cardinals was happening, that's not what Brewers fans wanted. It seemed perfect in many ways to clinch a postseason berth against the Cubs and then clinch the Central against the Cardinals. But in in many other ways, Sunday was perfect. Sunday was perfect. It was a great weekend with Wall of Honor celebrations on Friday, Bob Euchre Day on Saturday, and then the, uh, the Ryan Braun ceremony on Sunday, wrapped up with a victory where it was the win that put the Brewers into the postseason. There was no backing in. The Cardinals had won again. They they got the win against the Cubs. So at that point, the Brewers needed to win to get in, and they do just that. And it's been a year that every team deals with adversity. I can't sit here and say, well, the Brewers had more adversity than other teams. Like, who's got the adversity meter, right? But certainly from an injury list standpoint early on in the season, the Brewers were really, really, really bad in that area. They had... At one point, they had the most injured players of any team in baseball. They obviously went through a pretty major COVID issue at one point with a lot of players testing positive, and they were able to go through that. They've had other players deal with injuries as well as the season has gone along, and they've just kept finding ways to win games. That's um, And it really all started on May 22nd 
when the team acquired Willie Adamas. They became a completely different team on May 22nd. This team has an opportunity to be a very, very special team this year. This team has the opportunity to get to the World Series. This team has the opportunity to win the World Series. I'm not predicting that that's going to happen. I, I don't know how to handicap that out. I'm not a sports gambling guy at all. It's not my thing. I do think it's interesting sometimes to look at some of the odds. Um, I see the Brewers as being tied with the fifth best odds to win the World Series this year with the Dodgers having the best odds, and then the Astros, the Rays, and Giants all slot in in front of the Brewers, who are tied uh, with the White Sox. Uh, other note, by the way, when it comes to the uh, the National League Cy Young Award winner, Corbin Burns right now has the second best odds uh, to win that. He is behind Max Scherzer, but it's a, it's, a, it's a fairly sizable difference in the odds, and we'll see if that changes out a little bit. I think Burns deserves the Cy Young Award. You just have to wonder... Uh, Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. Like that name carries some weight. It shouldn't. It shouldn't carry weight. It shouldn't matter what your name is. But if it's close, I wonder how many of the writers are going to uh, maybe circle Scherzer's name over Burns's name. And and the other thing, and not that they actually circle it. It's a you, know, you select you, you rank them basically as as voters, um, and that's how it works. But th- that's one thing. The other thing is where you can really separate Burns out from Scherzer is the use of some of the newer statistics that are out there, the statistics that really tell the story better than the baseball card numbers. And Burns' baseball card numbers are perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with what he's done. But when you dive in a little bit more, it becomes pretty clear that he's having not just a great season this year, but in some ways he is having a historic-level season I just I don't always know when it comes to the baseball writers how much they look past the baseball card numbers and how much they look past um, the, uh, the the name right. So right now the there's really you look at the odds on that. And again, I'm not an odds guy, but you look at the odds. It's a it's a two two pitcher race at this point between Scherzer and Burns, and we'll see what those guys do over the uh, final week of the season. And we're gonna be talking about that a lot. Like that has become probably narrative and storyline number one over the next six days. Maybe he's number two. Probably the the top storyline uh, is just how the Brewers are gonna set themselves up for the postseason. I am very curious to see how they use their pitching because. At this point, there is no reason to really stretch out a pitcher to 100 or more pitches. Like That creates a little bit of stress. You can keep a guy stretched out by having them throw 75, 80 pitches. They're going to be, if they've been throwing 100 pitches all season long and they go through 75 or 80, they're, they're fine to throw 100 the next time out. You know, in, a, in a year where you don't have so much time between the end of the regular season and the start of your postseason. That's just kind of the way the schedule is now with the wild card, the way it's set up. But the season ends on Sunday. They don't play again until Friday. So that's four full days off. Even for a pitcher who appears on, you know, on Sunday, they get four days and you backtrack from there. It just feels like while we're in a perfect world, maybe you would be able to avoid using your top three starters in that Dodger series. You're probably not avoiding it just because you want them to get some work. How deep they go into a game, you know, any sign of trouble, 
keeping the pitch count, like I said, 75-80, that probably seems to be about the number that you'd probably want it to be at. Uh, And we'll just see how it all ends up playing out. Uh, Again, weird series coming up. The Cardinals-Brewers series is going to be borderline meaningless for both teams. And then the Dodgers series might be completely meaningless for the Brewers, where it holds a whole lot of meaning for the Dodgers. And, And that's that whew, sometimes those can go uh, in in one direction very very quickly. But if it happens, it happens. At this point, it's more about uh, getting through the regular season and certainly getting to the postseason. But really, was a was a special day on Sunday. It's been a special season. Uh, Brewers bounce back from that five game losing streak. The struggles against the Cardinals. For folks who are really really concerned, the concern can be. Uh, cleaned up a little bit, I guess, uh, with them clinching the division here with uh, six games left in the regular season. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this week's uh, featured conversation. Very happy to uh, welcome back on to the podcast. He is the uh, trending sports reporter for the uh, Journal Sentinel and JSOnline.com. At least I'm not even looking at his Twitter bias. Yeah, he's still that. You never know. Sometimes they change jobs or job titles and you don't even look, but I am looking. Indeed, I've got it right here. He is the trending uh, sports reporter uh, for the Journal Sentinel and JS Online. He is uh, J.R. Radcliffe joining us on a really fun edition of the podcast after the team uh, clinched this weekend. Hey, J.R., how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, that's a sweet gig I've got. It's going to take a lot for for me to change names, <laughs> at least at least on my own free will. So, uh uh, yeah, we'll we'll stick with that job for as long as we possibly can, I think. Uh, to kind of start this conversation, kissing your backside a little bit, since you mentioned how cool of a job that is, I uh, let me like just compliment you very publicly. <laughs> I can't tell you how often you have stuff that to me is incredibly obscure, yet at the exact same time incredibly cool. Your recall when it comes to Wisconsin sports, I don't know who else out there can beat you, and I have learned a lot from you, and more than anything else, I've enjoyed a lot of what you've written. I appreciate beyond words what you are able to recall. Well, I appreciate that. I would... would, I'd love to say that I could recall everything that I've written about, but in quite, most most of the time, it's not quite that. It's not quite that. Uh, we just happen to have a obviously a good archive at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, so I can do a little digging. Uh, I think part of the fun, most of the fun for for a lot of the stuff I write is is that I learn a lot, you know, or, or like details that I didn't quite have right or didn't remember quite right. Um, so when I when I do get a chance to look back. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, it's it's you know some somebody nudging me in that direction and me kind of doing a little digging and and it's 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 a great time. But uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 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 a fan of the history the history side of things. You know, Wisconsin sports doesn't really have uh, it's got the Packers, which go back forever. But like the Bucks and Brewers, essentially that's 50 years, yeah. which isn't an eternity. So it's it's kind of easy to get your arms around it the the whole the you know the entirety of the history of it. So uh, it happens to be that those two 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 franchises are just about the same age and. Uh, and they're both enjoying quite a bit of success here at uh, at the 50 or 51 year mark uh, for the Bucks. Maybe a couple years longer, but uh, this is uh, this is a good time. So it's a good time to look back at some of that history. Do you think the city of Milwaukee, maybe the state of Wisconsin, kind of from a national perspective, plays a little bigger than it actually is? Especially right now, when the Bucks are champions, the Packers are always the Packers. The Brewers are on a fantastic run. Uh, Wisconsin sports, Marquette sports, tend to be relevant uh, most years. Marquette had a little bit of a downturn here recently but that's a basketball program clearly with high expectations high expectations with badgers football and badgers basketball consider
considering the size and the population, whether we're talking about city of Milwaukee teams or statewide, from a national perspective, you, know, you, you got the Ryder Cup in Wisconsin this week. It just has to be, if you don't live here, you almost have to feel like there's maybe it's bigger. There's a lot more going on than I, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it, but it's just man, what a what a great time to be around Wisconsin sports is the is the main thing here. Yeah, yeah, I think it's treated about right. You know, it's a Midwestern state, so I think I think most people, nationally speaking, understand what's going on here. It's it's a it's a little like Illinois in that it's got you know it's it's different because Illinois has got the one population center. Milwaukee's a little more spread out over two or three, but you know people people have been familiar with the Packers brand nationally. They probably don't even think about it like a Wisconsin thing, or you know they know it's small towns somewhere, but but the Packers have been have been a national thing for you know forever, and and then the Brewers and Bucks, you know I. I think if, if if there was any sort of underrating what was going on, it would be understandable. There there aren't a lot of championships in that holster, you know. So yeah. Uh, so I think I think they were probably treated about right, which is you know it can be annoying to to some some other programs to have that have that have the Brewers or Bucks around when they're good, but uh, but not necessarily like a championship level, you know, not, not a championship city. And maybe that changes with the Bucks a little bit, and maybe with with what's coming up with the Brewers a little bit, but. Uh, I, I tend to think, nationally speaking, I think Milwaukee actually kind of gets its due. We, yeah. we definitely get our claws up when somebody, you know, like Stephen A. Smith suggests it's a terrible city. But uh, but I do think it I do think it gets its due for the most part. Or Stephen Colbert that night. I don't I don't know if you were at the ballpark <laughs> that night, but he was trying to do his spiel, and even when he was apologizing, fans would not let up. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's easy to make fun of the Midwest town. I mean, it's easy for us to make fun of our own Midwest town. Like we get it. It's not it's not as big a city as the coast. Obviously, most people who live in the Midwest love living in the Midwest for a variety of reasons. So uh, it's easy to get defensive. I, I personally would never want to live in New York or Los Angeles. And, and they don't get made fun of it. But like, who who would want to live in that traffic and that madness? I mean, obviously, a lot of people would uh, or they wouldn't have that traffic and madness. But, uh, you know, it's it's fine. Everybody can can live their own lives, do their own things and, uh, you know, win a couple championships along the way and show the big guys where it's at. That, that feels good. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, absolutely. This weekend for the Brewers, what a what an incredible weekend! Friday, a Wall of Honor induction with uh, Carlos Gomez, Giovanni Gallardo, and Fran- uh, Francisco Rodriguez all being honored. Saturday is Bob Euchre Day. Sunday is Ryan Braun Retirement Day. And oh yeah, by the way, they go ahead and clinch the division on, on Sunday as well. I mean, you talk about three straight days of just awesomeness. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going with it. Uh, that's what the Brewers really had over the course of the weekend. It really was stacked. It was it was incredible, and it sort of built, you know, because the Gomez Gallardo thing. Like, I mean, those guys obviously are very popular, and it's cool to have the Wall of Honor and have those guys back. But you know, Euchre is is then an institution, so so you get that sort of uh, sort of the next step up, and then Ryan Braun, who uh, is obviously still very beloved in this town, and, and lengthy pregame speech and all that stuff. I mean, the the pomp and circumstance just escalated. I mean, Bob Euchre his first pitch with the, with the pitching machine. Incredible, uh, incredible moment. It was, it, it was a great weekend. And, uh, you know, with, with that 50th celebration sort of getting, you know, almost entirely ruined in 2020 by the COVID-19 pandemic, they, they did have a lot of stuff to pack in. And so that might be part of why it ended up kind of all getting smushed together into this last weekend homestand, but, uh, could not have been planned any better really. I mean, outside of having to sweat those few days, 
where you weren't 100% sure anymore if the Brewers were going to win the division, no matter no matter how confident the math was about it. It, it still felt like things were going in the wrong direction uh, for them to sweep this weekend series and uh, play a couple, you know, and including some pretty competitive baseball, uh, some pretty exciting games there. Uh, that, uh, that that worked out. That worked out very very well. I mean, what better day to honor Ryan Braun than to have it on, on a in a playoff clinching moment you know like 2008 2011 like you think of ryan braun when you think of playoff clinching moments in recent brewers history and then he's on hand for uh for the game that uh, that gives them the National League Central Championship. That's pretty sweet stuff. And how about they score eight runs on eight hits? They leave eight runners on base on the 26. Two plus six equals eight. <laughs> I did not even know that. I mean, we could, I'm sure we could find lots of things. Is it the 28th? No, it's only the 26th. We can't go, oh, but six plus two, is it? Yeah. Uh, we can, uh, yeah, we can, we can probably get a lot of, uh, a lot of serendipity if we dig, dig for it enough. Um, I still, <laughs> I still, there are points this season I was, I felt really confident that he was going to come back. Yeah. You know, it just felt like that was bound to happen. And, uh, you know, I thought, hey, this is kind of smart. He skipped spring training. He's going to show up in, like, early May. He'll be ready to go by, like, the end of May. And, and you know, like, time went on. It's just like, when is Ryan Braun coming back? And then finally you get to September 1st. It's like, okay, it really can't happen now. Um Dude looks like he could play still. I mean, he's obviously he's only a year out. He looks like he's in really good shape. So uh, I, I, I'm kind of surprised we even got to this point where we have a retirement ceremony for him already. Fascinated to know what they do with his number and if it ends up on the facade, number eight next to uh, next to the guys that are up there already. It's 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 obviously a very tough, very strange call. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, but in the short term, obviously, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool to have all that stuff come together. I think they do. Uh, and it, maybe if he wasn't as close with the Atanasio family, I would feel a little differently where his transgression is something that would be enough to keep the number off. But I, it, to me, it feels like because of the he's really close with the owner. And if the owner wants it retired, it's going to be retired. Like to me, that seems like a pretty simple call. Yeah, I agree. I think that is the X factor that people haven't maybe considered quite as much that that there is sort of that relationship. I uh, it is still it is still complex because you know it, I don't like my my crazy harebrained idea would be to retire Cecil Cooper's number at the same time, like put them both on the facade. Cooper's the the next closest guy. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he is unquestionably the next player on that list. If Ryan Braun, if we remove him from the equation, he'd be the next guy that would easily be the guy whose number is retired. You know, maybe maybe you put him in at the same time, and then then you take away that sort of unspoken Hall of Fame sort of the the, the Hall of Fame status that kind of is the deciding marker between whether or not you go on the facade or not. Obviously, other teams retire guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame. You don't have to stick to that. But I know a lot of people have kind of seen that as as the dividing line. Why you've got fingers and and Aaron and and obviously Yountain Molitor up there, and maybe nobody else. Um, so that would be my way of like sort of sort of depressurizing a Ryan Braun retirement number retirement ceremony. Uh, obviously I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think they retire his number, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, to, to have that relitigated again is, is going to be something that the brewers aren't exactly looking forward to that Braun isn't going to be looking forward to. Um, I know that, uh, that, you know, it's unavoidable. It's yeah. unavoidable that it's going to come up. And, uh, I, 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 I agree that it's going to go up there. I just, there's, there's some stuff to work through. It's, it's going to be an interesting call. It's a really odd thing because that is as vocal of a vocal minority as exists because go to a game and see Ryan Braun come to the plate and he gets the biggest ovation of anybody yet. 
mentioned Ryan Braun's name on WTMJ radio and you've got 20 text messages sitting there calling him a cheater and how you know they, he has nothing to do yeah he's just a bad man and like uh, just it's incredible the uh the dichotomy of responses you get because if you were to if you were just to go to the ballpark when he was active you would think all Brewers fans had completely let go and, and moved on. Where if you only were looking at the text line after something is brought up about him, you would think that he is still public enemy number one in this city. It's a really weird thing. Yeah, and and, and nationally is the other thing too. I mean, I'm sure most people nationally think of him in, in sort of a negative light. It's it, it it it's all about that speech, that press conference he gave in 2012. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it goes without saying he would if he had to do it all over again, it would be completely different. But there are guys out there. Nelson Cruz is a good example of a guy who's been, uh, I believe, suspended. And I should really look that up before I said that out loud. But I'm pretty sure that's clear uh, that he's had that in his past. And he's a, he's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll get in, but but obviously playing well into his 40s, tremendous player. And uh, and there are a lot of other guys. Yasmani Grandal comes to mind. Guys that you just don't associate with it because they didn't they didn't give a speech and and proudly claim their innocence and you know in say in no uncertain terms this did not happen. It didn't happen knowingly or unknowingly. Like it it just did not happen. Um, and those guys you know accepted their penalty and then they moved on with their careers and people forgave that you know and and, and they probably should. Uh, I I every every instance is different so it's hard you know you have to kind of go into the details if you really want to know whether know exactly how to feel about something but uh, if if you just hadn't given that press conference that's what people are still mad about they're not mad that he that he took performance enhancing drugs or that you know he tried to give himself an advantage to help the team I mean deep down I don't think that's true because there <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of other things to be mad about it, that you would have to you know for consistency's sake that you would have to be mad about in the in the game of professional sports um they're just mad they're mad that he lied and that he threw a guy under the bus and he did all that uh you know that crazy stuff in 2012 so um so that's going to be that's 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 interesting uh i imagine even the vocal minority will disappear a little bit as time goes on you know people are going to forget about it. he's not going to be in the public eye anymore people will forget how angry they are about that sort of thing and and they'll move on and, and then we'll see if that ends up with uh, with number eight up on the wall he did say in his press conference that he had some informal conversations with the Brewers in July and August about maybe coming back. I don't know about you. I was always hoping he would come back just because I don't think he would have been a big-time contributor. I think he would have probably come up with some big hits, as he always did in his career. But you look at what his numbers had been. It had been declining, and his there's no reason to believe that his back was going to 100% stay healthy. But I, I didn't want his final game to be played in an empty stadium, and that's going to be kind of the thing that – I regret on behalf of him for forever. I would love to know exactly what the stumbling block was there to him coming back. I think the the easy per- perception would be they just didn't need him. Like they they have outfielders and and they didn't they didn't need to take him on for somebody who who's going to be a part-time player no matter what, questionable if he could still play in the field, that sort of thing. I don't know if money would have been a factor. I I don't know how much how, you know how much he'd, he'd be looking for, or how much the Brewers would be willing to give him, and and I do think it probably came down to the roster spot. But yeah, I agree. It's a it's an anticlimactic ending. It it really is. It's unfortunate. Now I do think that what we saw though Sunday, that it made up for it a little bit. You know that was that was an uncharacteristic send off for a player. You don't. It's not every day a player who spends his it gets to spend his entire career and comes back the next year. That that just does not happen very often. So so he did he did get I would say a fair amount of uh, a level of adoration that I think I, I think definitely offset some of the sort of miserable way that that his career his physical on field career ended. Um, 
so there, there will always be that to look back on. And, and you know, there, there's more to come. Like, there's the wall of honor down the line here. And, and that could happen soon. You don't have to be retired for long for uh, for a team to bring you back. So there's a chance they bring him back as soon as next year. And then there's the Walk of Fame five years down the road. That's going to happen. And, and like we talked about, the possible number retirement. I mean, he's going to be part of the Brewers family here for a while. So he's going to get uh, at least at least some due there uh, to make up for, for what he didn't get in 2020. All right, so you, you made reference earlier to the fact that the Brewers had their stumbling block. They lost five straight games. They got swept by the Cardinals. All of a sudden, this thing got delayed. Really, but We were talking about them possibly clinching last Sunday, and they clinched this Sunday. So essentially, this got delayed by about a week or so. Um, I, I never was worried. I can confidently say I, was, I never once was worried about the numbers. I never once was worried they weren't going to clinch the division. But I talked to, on my postgame show, people every single night, whether it was them calling or texting, that they were legitimately worried that the Brewers were going to fall to that second wild card. What, what, did, did you have a concern level at anywhere from, from 1 to 10? So I'm not going to lie to you. I, I did. I did have a concern level. Now, I also acknowledged it was ridiculous. And, and the, all you have to do is look at sort of the fan graphs or, or baseball reference, sort of the odds of making the postseason. And, and fan graphs, I think, dipped from 100 to 99.9 at one point. That was that was as far as they were willing to go. So if you look at it from a national perspective, from just a totally neutral viewpoint, everybody knew the Brewers were still going to win the division. And and the, the concern I had was just because – because the Cardinals still had so many games against the Brewers and they're so red hot. And do I think that the Cardinals are going to finish the season with 22 consecutive wins? I, I can't rule it out. We're down to six games, right? And they're they're just playing unbelievably confident baseball. You know, they've, they've had some late breaks lately. It's bound to, it's bound to go south. One of these games. I mean, it almost certainly will, but like, I, I, I'm not going to rule that out. So now you're looking at, I mean, if the Brewers don't sweep the Mets, they either have, they absolutely need one win against the team, a team that's, one of the hottest teams we've ever seen or win in, in Los Angeles, you know, or, or have the Cardinals lose somewhere along the way. Right. So I, I could, I could at least envision crazy, crazy scenarios where that could happen. Now, even though, even though after the Cardinals swept, you know, you looked at the, the Brewers were up seven and a half games at that point, 10 to play. There's no team in baseball that has lost a lead like that. That has never happened before. So even if you take out all the momentum or how you're feeling about the Brewers at that point in time, it would have still required going forward an unprecedented collapse, which you just can't you just can't expect that to happen. Not from a team that's been this consistent over the course of the year. Uh, they they have had three game losing streaks before. They've had a six game losing streak early in the year. This five game was one of the one of the lower stretches of baseball that they've had. But they they still like. They, their starting pitching just isn't going to let them lose that many games in a row. So um, your head and your heart maybe are a little bit in conflict there. I, I won't pretend like I wasn't nervous about it. Uh, you know, once you, until once you see a team skidding one direction, the other team going the other way, you think, well, it's going to get in, into the heads of the Brewers at some point. That that no matter what they do, they're not going to be gaining you know gaining any ground. You could see that spiraling. Um, obviously, it's still mathematically just it just was never going to happen. Like there's 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 just almost no way it possibly could have happened. Uh, as a Milwaukee sports fan, I guess you just you just open yourself up to any any crazy scenario when when uh, when things are going a little bit south. Fortunately, nobody has to worry about that anymore. These last six games get to be a little bit just cherry on top. What what do you make of? I mean, even even with that downturn, they still clinched the division with a week to go. They they took care of the Mets. 
I'm not gonna say easily. There was that two one game in there, which was which was competitive, but it never really. You always felt like, especially after that first game that they won after the losing streak ended, it always just kind of felt like, okay, they're they're gonna go ahead and take care of this this weekend. It really doesn't matter what the Cardinals do do or don't do. What what do you make overall of them just finding a way to finish this thing off before they do hit the road for the final week? I, I think that Friday night game was was really important. You know, they they Eric Eric Lauer had given up a run. With, with one out, he loaded the bases with two outs. That could have gone south in a hurry. And if they lose that game, six in a row, you know, now they're in like a legitimate tailspin. That's the that's that's their worst losing streak of the season. Um, it helps having Corbin Burns pitch and any knowing that he's coming up on the schedule is 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 always going to be, I think, probably a, a source of a source of relief. You know, as a source feeling like you you have the best chance to win in that case. But winning that game Friday night felt like to me that was the moment where it's like okay this is completely over now because they they managed to to answer that that Mets run in the first inning they kind of took control of the game and they were able to pull away it was nice to see Adamas get a home run and Yelich get a home run obviously Yelich has struggled all year Adamas coming off an injury you know there's still maybe some concern about how good he's going to be in the titanic blast he hit Sunday uh it feels like he's very much very much healthy and back and that's that's a very good sign as well um so I mean I, I I'm I'm it's important. I'm, I'm just glad they got it on the homestand. You know, like yeah. you go into a, magic number five when you get to a 10 game homestand and you win the first two games, you got to think that's going to happen at home in front of the home fans. It's incredible that it got to the last game of game of that homestand. Just a testament to what the Cardinals have been doing here. Uh, but uh, but they get the job done in front of the home fans. That's that's super, super cool that the celebration got to happen there instead of in St. Louis two days later. You know, with the day off Monday would have had to wait yet another day if they hadn't been able to sweep the Mets. So uh, that would have been that would have been annoying. <laughs> no, you know, get you, know, you get down to the last six games of the season, you start to get even more nervous. So nice, nice that they're able to pull that off. And you know, having another week, there's a pretty good stretch of time between the end of the season and the start of the NLDS to set your raw, you know, your rotation or whatever. So that's not, it's not really a concern that you have like extra time to extra wiggle room to sort of set things the way you want them. But you know, a week of baseball where you you actually can just sort of relax is is a pretty cool thing i really hope they get the record for most wins in franchise history they gotta go three and three down the stretch here to do it so uh, that would be really really fun 97 wins uh but uh, but that's about the only thing i'm really concerned about at this point uh, i do i don't think they're concerned about it though oh no not at all why would they be yeah you know you're not judged based on the number of wins you've got nobody cares everyone remembers the mariners uh for winning all those games and the fact that they didn't even get to the uh, alcs so like there's there's no there's no nothing nothing registered in regular season wins you mentioned Corbin Burns. You're are you a are you a member? I, I know you, you you wouldn't have the tenure to vote, but are you a BBWAA? Did I get the, the letters right? I am member? not. No, no, I do not have a card. Sadly, you you used to cover a lot of. I know pandemic stuff has kind of changed things. You, I think, talk to Hodricourt. Get in, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I maybe could. I I don't think it's actually. I don't think it's that hard to do. Uh, so uh, so I'll have to look into it. I'll have to look into it. I have not I've not put in the legwork on that. Start building your tenure and then ten years from now you start voting for Cy Young or MVP, all that sort of stuff. I'm as a broadcaster, by the way, I am incredibly bitter that they have never opened that up to broadcast media. Yeah, and it took a while to get online media in there too. So a little weird, but um, it's fine. I have I have I mean, full faith in the my colleagues who do vote. Like they, they can they can have my vote. That's fine. I can then I can opine from the sidelines and uh, you know and it, it, I can do it unfettered. So uh, so maybe it's okay that I can do it this way. Well, if you did have a vote, would Corbin Burns be your Cy Young Award winner? He would be. Yeah, it, it's it's it is close between him and Scherzer at this point. I mean, man, I thought Walker Bueller had this award yeah. for for a few weeks there, and then. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it, it's unfortunate because like he's throwing more innings, so you'd expect him to maybe be a little more tired down the stretch. And now three of his last four outings haven't been so good, and so it feel like feels like that's a little bit of a of, of a ding on him for for simply doing more work. Uh, so so there's a little guilt factor there. But Corbin Burns' numbers, it, it, if you look at the peripheral sabermetric numbers, whatever however you want to term them, uh, we're talking about one of the best seasons of all time. And and. You know, it's it's not really one of like the, the the ten best pitching seasons of all time or anything like that, but it's 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 up there with some really really impressive names. So that that would definitely be the factor for me. I mean, his his raw numbers are very good too. Max Scherzer is right there in a lot of categories. Um, I think I mean I certainly think Max Scherzer will get votes. I don't think it's going to be a runaway by any means. I do at this point think Corbin Burns is going to win that award. I think enough voters are really attuned to some of these peripheral stats, these stats that maybe that we've come up with that I think are a better illustration of just how dominant a pitcher can be. And he's been dominant, you know, if you look at his FIP and his strikeouts per nine and the home runs, I just I still cannot believe this guy who who couldn't couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark at all two years ago is now the best in baseball at keeping the ball in the ballpark. But uh, um, he would he would have my vote. All 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 bias has to be factored in there, I'm sure. But uh, but he w- he would be the guy, and I think he's going to win. I think he's going to be the National League Cy Young in 2021. I just hope that people remember all the people who threw him away a couple years ago. I just hope they remember that. You don't throw young players away. The d- development doesn't stop just because you've made your major league debut. Yeah, and I, I guess right now that you know they've got a position player, Keston Hira, who's in an almost identical boat. You know, lost. It, it looks like whatever whatever magic he had the year before is gone. So you just you just got to have a little faith that they can they can work with it, figure it out, give them the off season. Uh, the Brewers sort of have this reputation for having a pitching lab, so maybe it's it's easier to do on the pitching side than it is on the. You know, in the position player side, I'm sure they're gonna. You know, I'm sure they're not throwing Kesson Hero away. They're gonna try to figure out what happened, uh, that they can reclaim what what he was in 2019. But, uh, you know, yeah, Corbin Corbin Burns's numbers were just god awful in in 2019, and there's no way no way anyone could have foreseen him coming back and being being what he was. And you know, credit to the player too for for having belief in himself because you got to think after that season he had to he had a doubt that he could do this at the major league level. Um, because that, there was there was no indication that he would actually be a good major leaguer going forward at that point, and he just, you know, outside of outside of what we saw in 2018 as a reliever when he was so effective and was you know part of that postseason run to the NLCS, the, the, there just there just wasn't an indication that he could be a credible starting pitcher. It comes back in 2020, he's awesome, carries that over into 2021. I wasn't sure that would happen. I wasn't sure 2020 would would be the real deal for him that, you know, as bad as it was for a lot of offensive players, I thought, well, can we trust that it was this good for, for Corbin Burns pitching? And clearly it was because he's gone to yet another level here in 2021. So uh, one of the, one of the great storylines of this season of the, of this team is, uh, is what they were able to do from a player development standpoint. And just for, for just the this, this singular season that he's had uh, one of the great stories is Corbin Burns coming back from the dead to be, uh, to be this awesome. Just a couple more things for J.R. Radcliffe, who's been very, very uh, generous with his time. Um, I thought it was really cool when you compare last year to this year. Last year, they make it to the postseason, but they do it as a below 500 club. They had to back their way in. They're doing it in, in front of nobody. And this year, they get in on their own accord. They do it in front of 43,000 really, really loud people. It's really, uh, it, it's really incredible how different things can be over the course of one year. Yeah, and I just would love to know how 2020 plays out. I mean, it sure they didn't really have any. Indica- I mean, they, they were never above 500 in 2020. That blows my mind. Incredible statistic. A playoff team that was never above 500 and went into the postseason below 500. Um, 
it sure doesn't seem like that team was going to find itself offensively, but this team also didn't look like it was going to find itself offensively. And, you know, May May 22nd rolls around or whatever date it was that they acquire Willie Adamas and everything changes. And it's it's not just Adamas, you know, obviously, you know, Garcia and and Narvaez who were, who were not good last year. They, they found something this year, uh, particularly obviously Garcia, who's going to make a a boatload of money on, on free agency next year. Good for him. Like he had a tremendous season. Um, they get career years from guys like Colton Wong and he's not alone. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of phenomenal performances, just singular performances from players that that we hadn't, we hadn't seen before. So, uh, I I'd like to know how 2020 plays out. It's hard to imagine that it would have been truly a a special team the way that this one is. So yes, completely different vibe. You know, we're talking about a world series contender here. And last year, I don't think anybody thought that they were going to even win a game against the Dodgers. And that was borne out in in a best of three series. You know, they went down to nothing. I think they scored one run and everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's about right. That's exactly what we saw during the regular season. So, um, Glad, glad we can move on from 2020. I mean, it, it counts in the playoff string here uh, by the most, by the strangest of circumstances. But, uh, but uh, glad, glad that the Brewers have have put that one behind them. And uh, now, you know, with what they got coming back, like 2022, expectations are going to be so much higher next year. We got a long way to go here in 21, obviously. But, you know, 2022 with with all these pitchers back, <laughs> it's, it's going to be crazy. There's going to be, there's, I don't know how they match what they've done this season, but but there's going to be that expectation that they pull it off because. These these arms aren't going anywhere. Where last thing for you as as we look forward to the postseason, they'll probably play the Braves in the first round. They could play the Phillies, mm-hmm. um, the, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cardinals are in there. I'll tell you what I think. Like, I think the best path is Braves and then Giants. I'd rather them not play the Phillies in the first round, and I'd rather them not play the Cardinals or the Dodgers uh, in the NLCS. Those are the teams I, d- I don't really like the matchup. But how do you kind of evaluate them in terms of legitimate chances to be a World Series club? I mean, I think that the conventional wisdom is certainly what you what you said. I, I don't particularly feel like the Phillies are are all that different from the Braves. I mean, they're they're a different t- they're a different team, but. Um, I, I would like the Brewers' chances the same against them, which is to say, uh, good. I mean, what you saw from the Brewers when they were struggling, I, I think it should give pe- some people pause. I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it's a, it's certainly not a slam dunk that they're going to win the, the NLDS. They they simply haven't played as well at home on the uh, as on the road this year. So, like, I, I don't think they should feel comfortable with home field advantage. I, I don't I don't know if I believe that they're you know that that I would definitely say oh yeah they're going to win in the NLDS no problem and then see see which juggernaut they have to face on the other side they certainly have a nice postseason setup with not having to face the Giants and the Dodgers or heck at this point even the Cardinals you know that they're all on the other side of the bracket that's a pretty sweet setup for them um i i i in a in a best of 7 series just because the the pitching is what it is if you can get two starts out of Woodruff and two starts out of Burns they should they should feel comfortable in in any against anybody even the Dodgers even even the Giants even the Cardinals I mean they should they should feel like they could beat any team uh because of their starting pitching I I like their chances I mean I I, you know like everyone else I I would say the Dodgers should be the favorite there or or I mean certainly the Giants a hundred win team on paper like how do you how do you how do you say with a straight face that they shouldn't be expected to go deep into the postseason maybe go to the World Series like they're a 100 win team uh that's bananas so um, obviously the Brewers have had pretty good success this year against the Giants and, and against the Dodgers, even in the, in the four games they've seen them. So, so that's, that's a nice little boost. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just surrender when the postseason starts, like there's just no way to predict it. It could be the worst team, you know, that Cardinals team in 2011 that just barely got into the playoffs because of an incredible collapse and they win the world series. Like there's, there's, there's so much 
mysticism and voodoo that comes into play when the when the postseason starts. You just can't predict any of it. So I have I have no idea what to make of it uh, in terms of you know if I like the Brewers more than any other team. I, I just know they have the horses to do it. They're as equipped to do it as they've ever been, and and that's uh, that's that's enough. That's exactly what you want. You and the entire Journal Sentinel team will be all over it during uh, the postseason, obviously, from a beat perspective, everything that uh, Tom Hodricourt and Todd Rosiak do. And then uh, you always have multiple fantastic nuggets during the course uh, of a postseason run. I got to think you're looking forward to, to, to just what you might be able to uh, kind of discover throughout another pl- uh, postseason run. Oh, definitely. It's such a good time. It's such a good it's such a there's just something in the air when the brewers are in the postseason it's just the right time of year you know being in being in this sort of early mid fall where where the weather's just perfect and you know you can you can feel the electricity a, a lot more everybody's still outside and uh it, I, I can remember just driving home from games in 2018 when they were in the playoffs in the nlcs and just how the the, the vibes were very very good so uh so this is always a fun time of year i look forward to it and Hopefully, uh, hopefully we got a lot of good things to say. You know, the the better the better the team does, the better the stories perform. So I'm I'm all I'm I'm happy to see this team and this ride go as long as it possibly can. He is Jr. Radcliffe. Follow him on Twitter at Jr. Radcliffe. Cliff with uh, two F's. J R R A D C L I F F E. Pretty good chance you're really following him if you were listening to this podcast. Jr. Thanks so much uh, for your time. Always enjoy our conversations, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you later. That's J.R. Radcliffe, and that's just about going to do it for this week's edition of Brewers Externings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. A reminder for you, the team is off on Monday. They'll play three games in St. Louis, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, night games Tuesday and Wednesday, a day game on Thursday, and then they'll wrap up the regular season playing Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. My appreciation to uh, J.R. Radcliffe for uh, joining us here on the podcast. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you on uh, Tuesday night for those of you who listen to uh, Brewers X Journeys, either live or uh, via the podcast. And for those of you who just listen to this podcast each week, we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers X Journeys, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.